0: This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Hedgewa, the Home Educating Family Association, and the publishers of Dear Magazine. You can find them online at hedgewa.com. Hey, this is Fletch, and on this episode of Homeschooling in Real Life, we are returning to a discussion with author and homeschool grad Thomas Umstadt Jr. The last time we talked with Thomas was episode 26, where we discussed his very popular blog post called Is Courtship Fundamentally Flawed? Since then, Thomas has written a book called Courtship in Crisis. And on today's show, we're going to talk about that crisis. And since so many homeschool families are drawn to courtship, we thought it would be good to sit down with Thomas and ask him just what he sees as the crisis.
1: So you take a a youth group of 20 students, And by the time those students turn 29, do you know how many of them will be married? Statistically, only four of them will be married. The other 16 will have had to be celibate that entire time, all the way through their teens and all the way through their 20s, living a celibate, chaste life. And that is a really long time to expect the majority of young people to resist a sexualized culture.
0: Now, the second part of this crisis we talked about in the previous episode, and that's that we're expecting these young adults to commit to a relationship before they've even had a chance to really get to know one another.
1: And what's what's been broken, the fundamental flaw, which traditional dating completely fixes, is the, I have to commit to getting to know you, or I have to commit to marrying you before I can get to know you. And that is what most young men are unwilling to do, and most young women are unwilling to accept.
0: So we are going to look again at some of the fundamental flaws in courtship And we're going to compare that with some equal flaws in modern dating. And then through all of that, we'll listen as Thomas describes a third option that really seems to provide a solution. So stick with us for episode 69, Courtship in Crisis. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life Podcast. This is
2: Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel.
0: On the Homeschooling IRL Podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. And we want to welcome you to episode 69 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, Courtship in Crisis. Welcome. Hey, this is a show that we think is really important because a lot of homeschoolers get tied up and bunched up and crazy about courtship sometimes.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I said this on our last episode about this topic, but I have listened as young homeschooling parents sit and talk about how this is going to be the cure-all. This is going to be the thing that gets their kids into a godly marriage.
0: Yeah, and we've seen courtships at work, and we've seen courtships that tank, and we've seen dating work, and we've seen dating tank, but right. we're talking a little bit about the courtship tonight, but hey, before we get started, how about a little fluff? Okay. Let's get our listeners caught up. Kendra, has the household. sold? No. Um, are you still gasping from the fire and dust?
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, okay. <laughs> um, d- did we celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day?
2: Yes, matey, argh.
0: Man, we celebrated in style. It's only every seven years you get a Saturday night to celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day. True. True. was crazy so hey i have some uh letters that came into us uh this week we had one that um i had a fun time talking to this lady um this was chelsea and she said thank you so much for your podcast we're on the cusp of our homeschooling journey as a new listener i've been binge listening to gain all the encouragement you have to offer my sons are currently three and one so she's maybe a little bit behind the cusp But um, she's wanting to get started, so why not listen to homeschooling in real life? She's
2: a good mama.
0: Yeah. Um, I finished listening to your episode on homeschooling in New York City and found it fascinating because we live on a farm in northeast Iowa where we actually do butcher our own meat. No joke. It's a family event that involves my father-in-law, mother-in-law, sister-in-laws, nieces, nephews, uncles, and cousins of my hubby. If you ever want to know more about a family on the cusp of homeschooling, on the farm, let me know. We'd be happy to share our story. Yeah. Now she wrote in from Saint Olaf.
2: Ooh, I love that. Saint
0: Olaf, Iowa. Oh, Iowa. It's okay, Iowa. Yeah. it's right. It's it's right near. Um, I think Farmersburg. You oh, know where that's that is? perfect. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's so be
2: next to like sausage link. If this
0: ever, if our paths ever take us there, I'm going. We're going to go interview this family. I know. <laughs> it's and great. I hope we're there on, on on meat butchering day. So I wrote back to her and said, "Really, Saint Olaf?" And here's what she had to write. Uh, Saint Olaf does exist because I told her I couldn't. I would have to look for it on Google Maps, you know. Right. And um, it's famous for its extra large, breaded pork tenderloin served at the local tap. Oh. And when I say extra large, I mean the size of a dinner plate, requiring at least two buns. And the beauty of our area is often left unspoken for the celebrity of our local sandwich. They're delicious, by the way. Oh. So Chelsea, you. You may have a car show up sometime where the Fletchers uh, come for the interview.
2: <laughs> Nothing like inviting ourselves to people's homes, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm telling you, for extra large breaded pork chops and life on the farm and on the cusp of homeschooling, all that sounded cool. Hey, uh, what are you drinking tonight?
2: I'm drinking bhakti chai.
0: Bhakti chai, what is that?
2: It's, well, if <laughs> you read the website, I mean, this is going to sound so, so like white girl. <laughs> 2015 okay it says it's a craft brew of fresh pressed organic ginger and fiery spices with fair trade certified black tea ch- wow <laughs> kidding.
0: It's you're kidding you're like, starting to sound like me with my coffee it's
2: like whole foods or something and we don't even have one but yeah i actually bought it at target
0: oh well. <laughs> but it's
2: kind of my favorite thing right now um no it is my favorite thing right now. Yeah, it's very good if you like chai and you like spicy you chai
0: I'm uh, drinking Caroline's coffee, as I do every week, and this is a Panama Boquete, and it's from a farm high up in the hills of Panama, and uh, Trace Fike uh, got the bean and roasted it just like I did, kind of a mellow roast. It has chocolate undertones. Is it craft brewed? Is it craft brewed?
2: <laughs> My tea was. It's is hand it roasted. Trade?
0: It's hand, it's, you know what, it is It is fair is trade coffee. Is it grass fed? Um, I
1: don't know if we
0: need to worry about grass fed. <laughs> But uh, Free range. yeah, this is this is a really good coffee. It is uh, super easy to drink, and you know it's one of my favorites. We had a listener that wrote in this week and said I'd be willing to buy some of that coffee. Fletch keeps talking about just by the way he describes it. Yeah, and this is another one, just a light roast, and it goes down so smooth. And uh, thanks again to Caroline's Coffee for sponsoring this show. Um, we have a great show lined up with Thomas Umstadt Jr. So. I don't want to hesitate too much because this is such a fun conversation. He's he is such a great guy to talk to. Let's uh, take a listen to our friends over at Hedgewa and then we'll get started with the interview. You know, when Hedgewa approached us about sponsoring the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, we told them it would be important for us to get examples of all of their products. And we've talked in the past about how much we love the content and the quality of Family Magazine. And then also how much we love using the Well-Planned Day Planner and all of their planners, actually. They're just well laid out. They're very useful. We've talked about customer service behind the scenes. And, you know, none of this was as apparent as when our daughters picked up their first copy of Deer magazine. Now, Deer magazine is the magazine for teenage girls that Hedua publishes. And I had the opportunity to talk to Rebecca who the owner of Hedgewa, about this magazine and the philosophy and how it started. But I also asked her about the content. And, you know, one of the things we loved was how they handle fashion.
2: And we get this feedback all the time. You displayed girls that my girls can relate to. They are not toothpicks. They are regular American girls dressing modestly, yet very um, hip and, and modern and, and delightful. They're feminine looking yeah, and charming, but they are um, fashion trending.
0: So it's actually Rebecca's daughter, Jenny, who is the editor of Dear Magazine. And to say that she has her hands all over this magazine is an understatement. And Rebecca shared a funny story with me to explain just how much her hands are involved in this magazine.
1: Jenny always says, I have the most famous hand
0: ever because she not only creates the projects, she takes the
2: photographs and her husband helps her. And so you'll always see in any of the issues when you see do-it-yourself projects, you'll see her hand in almost every picture.
0: You see what we mean? Every issue of Deer Magazine is a hands-on issue. You know, if you have daughters or if you know any young women, we cannot encourage you enough to go look at Deer Magazine. You know, the meaning is in the title. Dear Magazine hopes to show young women that they are dear in every sense of the word and in every area of their lives. You can find them online at mydearmag.com, or if you want to go through our show notes, you can go right on over to Hedgewa. We can't encourage you enough to go check out this publication and check out all the other products that Hedgewa has to offer. They really do things well, and we are thankful that they are our sponsors. So go check them out, and when you're there, tell them that Fletch and Kendra at Homeschooling in Real Life sent you. We are on the line with Thomas Umstadt Jr., and Thomas, we want to welcome you back to Homeschooling in Real Life. Thanks for having me. We are super glad to uh, continue this conversation with you. Uh, we are excited to help you talk about your new book, Courtship in Crisis, The Case for Traditional Dating. Now, this one is out and available for our listeners, correct?
1: That's right. You can get it on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble.
0: All right. So let's get into this. Uh, Thomas, can you tell us we, – we spoke last time about your um, – Blog article, blog blog post. I guess it's it a blog was a viral post, right? Blog post, yeah. Viral was not the term for it. Man, that thing came unhinged, right?
1: <laughs> it did. It, it reached over a million people in just a few weeks, and it reached every country. Uh, in the world except for North Korea, which I believe bans my blog altogether. (laughs) Uh, The the Kim Jong-uns of the world do not approve of Tom Sumstead. (laughs)
2: Wow. That's saying something, Thomas.
0: (laughs) Well, from that, you decided to write this book, Courtship in Crisis, The Case for Traditional Dating. Was it just because of that article, or was there more that, that went into that decision?
1: So as that article was spreading around the internet, Uh, people started reaching out to me and asking me to write a book. In fact, several pastors asked me to uh, turn it into a book and and a Catholic priest. (laughs) so I was like, oh, I I, I was like, I really don't want to write this book. And so I kind of decided not to. And uh, I was at a writer's conference a few months later uh, because with my day job, I I go to a lot of writer's conferences. And uh, this lady took me aside and she was a homeschool mom and she had a ministry to homeschool alumni girls. And she's like, there's – None of these girls are married. You've got, and this is like hundreds of girls on Facebook that she had a ministry to. You've got to write this book. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to do it. Until Mm -hmm. finally, uh, two more friends (laughs) ambushed me on Skype. And they were like, you need to write this book and we will help help you do it. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll put it on Kickstarter. If the internet can raise $10,000, then I will write the book. And the internet raised $10,000. People joined in and spread it on Facebook and on Twitter. And, and so it was a very collaborative process uh, to raise the funds to make the book a reality. And then I had to write it. And so that's I've been locked away in my bunker for the last six months working on this book. And it's finally out. And uh, i finally done my duty.
0: <laughs> uh I, When I was reading this, this was written in an interesting way. I mean, you just didn't sit down and kind of pull ideas out of your head. This is not you. Uh, comparing courtship to dating from an opinion, correct?
1: That's right. We did a lot of research. So one of the benefits of crowdfunding it is I now had a huge community of folks who wanted to help in some way. And one of the ways that they helped was they helped connect me with researchers. Uh, So we had a whole team of folks around the country, and we had people go into nursing homes and interview senior citizens about how they did it back when they were young. We uh, dug through scientific studies and academic research. We did our own uh, original research. We pulled hundreds and hundreds of uh, people who had experimented with courtship and, you know, got their perspective. And and then we had this huge pile of data to go through. So, for every study, for every statistic in the book, there's four or five that didn't make it because I didn't want the book to be a big, long uh, list of statistics. I wanted it to be fun to read and have kind of a narrative flow. And so, um, we did a lot of interviews with people who'd had experiences with, with courtship and with traditional dating. And we tried to communicate as much as we found with the research in a kind of a narrative form as we could.
2: So Thomas, it's interesting that you had researchers going into nursing homes because I recall from your original article that you had had a conversation with your grandmother about what dating was like when she was in, in her dating years.
1: That's right. Well, what, chapter two of the book is a history of dating and we go back 4,000 years of the history of courtship. And uh, I, I, I had interviewed my grandmother, and as my post started to spread, people were picking on my grandmother and be like, "What does she know?" and were being kind of mean. and And one of their critiques was, "Well, this is just one woman's experience. You know, this wasn't typical." And so we talked with a lot of other folks, and that's totally false. It was very typical. Her experience was very common in the 1940s uh, when she was going on dates, and so. Um, but it was. It's fun. And I encourage you listening, talk to your grandparents about their experiences with dating as they were trying to figure out who to marry. And look at their face. I I would expect you'll see the same thing that we saw, which is a twinkle in their eye. These are very fond memories for them, which is so different from what you see when you talk to a married couple that got married through courtship. They often have this – feeling or express this feeling of having walked through a war zone that they like just barely got married and it was this beat down and the family was beating on them and it wasn't a fun process at all and and that was one of the things that surprised me a lot of the people who backed the book on kickstarter and helped support it got married through courtship and they're like we wouldn't wish this experience on anyone and that was a real surprise uh, for me i was thinking that it would be you know the the small percentage of people who were able to make courtship work would be the biggest advocates for courtship but that has not turned out to be the case.
0: So, you know, one thing I liked about this book uh, is just how it's laid out. It's pretty clean. You know, we have part 1 which is the courtship crisis and then part 2 which is this case that builds up for traditional dating. But in that first part um, and we talked about a lot of that on the last episode, you you kind of broke down that first part in the first episode where we interviewed you, but I loved the chapter titles. There was one, uh, purity sex and Jesus flavored Bubblegum." That's, (laughs) you know, I, I'm going to read that chapter just to find out what that one means. But before I get there, um, one of the things that caught me is that there is a problem. And one of the problems is there's a bunch of unmarried people. Is
1: that what that research was showing? So I had seen the singleness epidemic, um, Anecdotally, But it wasn't until I started doing research on the book that I realized just how bad it was. And so of a typical church of 300 people when my grandmother was going on dates would have had five weddings. That same church today – a typical church would have had only two weddings, and as many as half of those weddings were for second marriages. So the number of people, of young people getting married, has fallen off a cliff. It's fallen off a cliff even more in some other countries, but it's really bad here in the United States. You take a uh, a youth group of 20 students, and by the time those students turn 29, you know how many of them will be married? Statistically, only four of them will be married. The other wow. 16 will have had to be celibate that entire time all the way through their teens and all the way through their 20s living a celibate, chaste life. And that is a really long time to expect the majority of young people to resist a sexualized culture. And one of the critiques of traditional dating is, oh, the culture has changed. It's not the way it was when your grandmother was around. It's like, that's true. Culture has changed. But what is the best way to adapt to that culture, to set up this apparatus that prevents young people from getting married until they're, they're old or helping them pick and find uh, good husbands and wives at a young age so that they can rejoice in the child of their youth, like the old Testament talks about over and over again.
0: Well, now that leads us to our audience. You know, we're this, this homeschool centered audience. And I can only imagine that a lot of our listeners, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that they're choosing a uh, church environments that champion the homeschool cause. And I'm assuming that these statistics get even worse in those churches? You know, at least maybe the, you know, traditional, uh, large, uh, hip-seeker-sensitive, whatever term you want to use that maybe isn't homeschool-friendly, maybe more dating takes place in those and not as much courtship as we see in homeschool circles?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any uh, specific research that breaks down the results on like a denominational basis. Anecdotally, I can tell you that um, if you go to, say, a family-integrated church, that dramatically reduces your chance of getting married as a young person uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that it's not a very big dating pool. So, you know, maybe there's only three or four other people that are your same age in a family-integrated church. And so if it doesn't work out with them, you're out of luck. <laughs> so, um, And especially if you combine that with, say, the stay-at-home daughter doctrine, the sad uh, doctrine um, – <laughs> That's the acronym, yeah. yeah, I know. I, I, I picked up. I was going yeah. on there. That was awesome. Um, um, so the, the reality is most people who find a spouse find their spouse either at school or at work statistically and, and online. Those are the top three. And so if you don't – if you have a young woman who's not allowed to go to school – to, to university or she does university at home, she's not allowed to work outside of the house and she's not allowed to do online dating. You've just eliminated the top three ways of finding a spouse. And then if the church that she goes to is a small family integrated church, that's, it's basically a almost complete isolation where she gets very few opportunities to interact with other singles uh, and even find somebody Even if she believed in courtship, like even if you're a courtship family and you think that this Thomas Sumpstack guy is crazy and his book is wrong, even if you want to do courtship, how is she going to find a guy who's going to then go and ask her father for permission to get to know her if she's so isolated uh, from the outside world?
0: So we have a bunch of young adults sitting around waiting, trying and failing to connect, which leads us to purity sex and Jesus-flavored bubblegum. Uh, is Are we just setting these young adults up for failure?
1: So we are not tempted beyond what we can handle. When we're tempted, the Bible says we're always given a way out. And the, the church, Christians have – this isn't the first time we've faced a super sexualized culture. In fact, we've faced this many times in the past, including – during the Bible, like if you think our sexualized culture is bad now, I encourage you to study ancient Rome because believe me, it was worse <laughs> then. And so, what Paul said was, what do you do when you're burning with lust? He says, get married so that you don't burn with lust you know, or lest you burn with lust. And so, there's this sense that part of the solution, it's not the whole solution. It's not like getting married is going to you know, take away uh, temptation to lust, but it does give you a healthy outlet for it. And, and the Bible encourages you to take that. And so helping young people get married and helping them realize that it's something that they can do. Because there's this kind of doctrine that's been a part of the courtship kind of undercurrent, which is you've got to trust God, which means not doing anything. It's got to be serendipitous. It's got to be spontaneous. And so actively making an effort to find a a guy or actively making an effort to find a girl is not showing that you have faith, which is a very weird interpretation of what it means to have faith. Because when I look at the Bible, When I see that somebody has great faith, it means they did something that was very scary. And staying at home is not scary. Going on dates is scary. There's a chance of rejection. You know, there's a chance that, you know, as a young man, you ask a young woman out, you know, for coffee, and she says no, and that's scary. It's easy to feel like you're trusting God while you're not asking her. It's a lot harder to trust God and ask her.
2: So, Thomas, when you talk about uh uh, pursuing a dating relationship rather than what we know to be this courtship model that has hung around homeschool families and circles for the last couple of decades when you talk about that what are you what are you saying to somebody who says that seems so scary to me i do not want to put my kids just out there you know like walking into a bar <laughs> <laughs> picking up a guy, you know whatever the thinking is that we equate with dating um what does that dating what are what does that look like then for a Christian young couple um or or a family that says we still want to have a real good involvement with you, and we want to walk alongside of this with you
1: so one thing that's very important to point out is that there's a difference between traditional dating and modern dating so a lot of people who've been hostile to the book are people who haven't read the book and think that I'm advocating for modern dating. So modern dating, th- the way I describe it, and it's mostly what you see if you turn on the TV, everyone kind of has an idea of what uh, modern dating is. But it's for the purpose of sex, ultimately. So when a guy asks a girl out for dinner, there's this implied statement that it's can I buy you dinner, comma, for the purpose of sex. And that's not what I'm advocating for. Uh, traditional dating is a platonic relationship where you're getting to know someone for the purpose of getting married, not necessarily to that person. So this is perhaps the most fundamental difference between traditional dating and courtship. With courtship, with modern courtship, it's for the purpose of marrying this person. And if you don't, if it doesn't work out, you get labeled as damaged goods. You go through this incredible heartbreak. And Uh, One of the reasons why a lot of young people, I have not gotten a lot of pushback from young people because young people have either experienced it or their friends have experienced the unbelievable heartbreak that comes with calling off a courtship. And even that language gives you a hint of how painful it is. Calling off a courtship, you call off an engagement. It's, a, it's, it's like being left at the altar emotionally. And to expect young people to go through that kind of heartbreak over and over again before they find their husband or their wife is uh, it's not realistic. Uh, people give up uh, far before that, most, most young men. I do know a few who, young men who persisted. Uh, but with what you have with traditional dating is where you're going out with different people – without going steady with them. And so to understand what this means, we kind of have to rewind and realize that even the word dating has changed over the years. So it used to mean that you went on a date with someone, it was just a date on the calendar to get to know them better. There was no expectation of commitment. There was no expectation of exclusivity. And because of this, the temptation for sexual compromise was way lower. Now, this may seem a little bit counterintuitive, but let me explain. For those of you who are married, when were you more tempted in your relationship? Were you tempted on that first date when just the talking was awkward? Or were you more tempted two weeks before the wedding when you were engaged and already committed to each other? And who would know? You know, We're going to get married anyway. I would say for most couples, the more committed you are as a couple, the more exclusive you are as a a couple, the higher the temptation is. The more there is – This kind of desire and and, uh, willingness to justify um, sexual indiscretions. And so with traditional dating, you're trying to reduce that time by waiting before the commitment kicks in and allowing young people and encouraging young people to go out on platonic dates without having to commit to that person first. So when my grandmother was dating in junior high, which is what they called middle school apparently back in the olden days – they had this. Her dad had this rule that she couldn't go out with the same guy twice in a row, and this was a beautiful way of protecting her heart from getting too committed uh, to any of these guys. And you know, she she was talking with me. She's like, they wouldn't even want to kiss you. <laughs> she was just kind of shocked. But how could they have any expectation to her? How, how could they feel like they had any right to her as uh, when there was there was no commitment there? And so by going out with a lot of different guys she was able to get a feel for which bob she wanted to marry and by the time she was 18 you know she picked her bob and that bob picked her and they were married for 50 plus years until he passed away and um that that's what we're trying to get back to and what's what's been broken the fundamental flaw which traditional dating completely fixes is the i have to commit to getting to know you or i have to commit to marrying you before i can get to know you and that is what most young men are unwilling to do and most young women are unwilling to accept and the good news is that traditional dating totally works I've been getting tons of emails and contacts from folks who are going on dates for the first time i even had somebody came to my launch party who'd gotten married (laughs) the couple had gotten married after reading my blog post and um it's you know we're already starting to see a change in culture we're already starting to see an uptick in the number of marriages and i think that giving young people feeling like this is something you can do if you want to get married just go out and find somebody you know this isn't something you have to sit around feeling hopeless you can take action and trust god to give you the courage to do that
0: all right so we want to continue this conversation uh, just after this break and i want to ask you about something you just mentioned there thomas which was this is the thing the guys don't want to do and it's this idea of courage or the lack thereof so let's take a break we'll be right back Hey, Hurlers, I know we say this a lot, but we don't do this show alone. We are part of a network of Christian homeschool podcasters called the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Now, one of our favorite shows over at the network is by retired homeschool mom, the homeschool CPA, Carol Top. She hosts the Dollars and Cents radio show, and she is getting ready for a big celebration, and she is offering some specials on her website that we wanted you to know about.
1: Hi Hurlers, this is Carol Top, host of the Dollars and Cents show here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm celebrating my 50th episode of the podcast and I am giving a discount on my Micro Business for Teens books during the month of September 2015. You can get 25% off my books, starting a micro business, running a micro business. Head on over to microbusinessroutines.com to pick up some of your books and then make sure you listen to my 50th episode over at DollarsAndCentsShow.com, where I share over 30 ideas of microbusinesses you, your teenager, or an adult can start quickly and easily. I hope it's helpful and I hope you get encouraged to start your own microbusiness.
0: All right, hurlers, head on over to microbusinessforteens.com and then head on over to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and check out Carol's show. She always has great ideas, and we just want to celebrate with her as she hits her 50th episode. All right, we're talking with Thomas sad about his new book that's just out, Courtship in Crisis, The Case for traditional dating. And before the break, Thomas was talking to us about uh, the difference between traditional dating and what we consider to be modern dating, which we see a lot in movies and TV. Uh, And we just talked about how the purpose of modern dating, maybe the end goal is always going to be uh, sex. And in traditional dating... Uh, The end goal is going to be getting to know someone and eventually maybe leading to marriage. But along the way, Thomas, you mentioned uh, an idea there that maybe some of these young men that are moving into traditional dating are lacking courage.
1: Yes. uh, In a sense, there's this courage crisis that's uh, coexisting with the courtship crisis, and it's one that I've participated in. Of all of the chapters in the book, my personal favorite is the chapter – on courage um, you know it's how to find your courage and these are lessons that i've learned the hard way and i'm still learning this is of all the chapters that like i need to read <laughs> this is the one uh that i need and one of the things i talk about is that one of the things that builds courage is practice it's it's having an opportunity to build confidence through competence you know so Like in football, you don't expect somebody who's never played football before to go out and step on an NFL field or even a college football field. You start really young. If you're a football player, you start in junior middle school or maybe in high school. And by playing in high school where the stakes are lower and the guys aren't as big and they're not hitting as hard, you build the confidence so that when it comes down to it in college, you're able to play at that level and ultimately at the NFL level. And what we've done particularly with young men. We've forbidden them from interacting with young women on a one-on-one basis. That is completely against the rules in most homeschool communities. And then, once they become adults, we're shocked that they're not—they don't have the courage to pursue these young women. But they've never had the opportunity to practice. They've never been able to do it when it's a low-stakes kind of setting. And you know, when you tell a young man, you know, this is your only chance, if, if. if this doesn't work, you'll be damaged goods for the rest of your life. You better pick, right? Because whoever you pick is who you're going to be stuck with. Um, that amount of pressure leads to procrastination and hiding and despair. And that despair leads to a whole bunch of alternatives which to marriage, none of which are healthy. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that that's really unfair to young men, to take away that opportunity to practice. And and I think especially for homeschoolers, it's un- unfortunate. And And some of the cr- critics of, of my book, they're like courtship's not broken, homeschooling's broken. There's a socialization problem in homeschooling, and if you just put your children in a private school, none of these problems would <laughs> happen, and courtship would work just fine. In fact, Douglas Wilson, I think, I haven't heard him say this outright. Well, actually, I think he has said it on his blog. That basically, it's, courtship's not the problem, homeschooling's the problem, and and I don't agree with that. In homeschool communities, that embrace traditional dating people are getting married and in homeschool families people who are dating are getting married The people who are doing courtship uh, are not in general now yes if you want to do courtship a private school being in a christian private school makes it a lot easier because you're constantly surrounded with other fellow christian young people and so you have those opportunities to get to know someone in a group setting um, in in a variety of different kinds of group settings that that works really well but that makes
0: that makes courtship really expensive though (laughs) because <laughs> you're in a Christian
1: private school. I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to pony up that money for courtship. <laughs> well, remember, this is a, a model that was based off of an aristocratic system. Courtship oh, was never intended for the poor, and, <laughs> and it doesn't really work well for the poor. If you look at the few families that you know who were successful in courtship, chances are they're in the wealthier spectrum of your community because you have to be able to you know, pass these financial barriers and have this conversation with your dad. Those are not things that poor people are as likely to pass. You know, I was talking with a young man. On a career, had a job, but was concerned he wasn't going to be able to get married because he didn't think his tax return was good enough. Because he knew that in his community that was the expectation that father would want to look at the tax return. And,
0: <laughs> oh, it, Kendra, it, we it, never would have gotten married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> which, which is really unfortunate because my parents are the same way. When my parents got married, my dad didn't have a job. My mom didn't have a job. They were both full time students and they were really poor. And now that they're more successful, they have memories of being poor together. And those are some of their fondest memories. And that, in some ways, that was what created the foundation that they're enjoying today. And yet we had, we say, money won't make you happy, but in the same breath we say, yes, but money will make your marriage happy. (laughs) It's Mm. like, I don't know that money is going to make your marriage happy. I I think fights over money, you know, if you have a different perspective on money, that that can cause conflict. But adding more money isn't going to fix the problem. Uh, You know, if you have a different perspective, you're going to have a different perspective regardless of how many zeros you're fighting over.
2: All right. So... Thomas I am thinking based on the Q&A section you have in your book that there are some people who are objecting to what you're saying to your whole premise because they either have a very successful courtship uh, mar- or a successful marriage that came out of a courtship or you have those marriages that are dying either in an abusive situation or because there were lies that were told or things that were hidden that didn't reveal themselves until after marriage. So where, what are you saying to those people um, who, who are either telling you, wait a minute, I don't agree with you because look, look at us, we're doing great. And those who are saying, now I am the victim of this, uh, this system that ultimately failed me where it should have, have been the thing that my parents could have relied on.
1: Yeah, so for those of you listening who are in a, an abusive relationship, you don't deserve that. Uh, one of the tendencies I've seen, and I've been shocked at how common this is. Of of all the things that come in, the number of abusive relationships has really been shocking and how high it is. And often these men use kind of the Bible to justify their abuse. And that is not – I. That is not in the Bible. That is not God's heart. No. And, you know, the Bible is that husbands love their wives the way life. Christ loved the church. He lays down for, for uh, his life down uh, for the church. And, you know, love, your, love others as you love your own body. And so, that get, you are free to get yourself out of that abusive situation. And one of the reasons I think that this is so common is because the commitment And exclusivity and intensity are so high in courtship. The relationship is rushed. Very rarely do you see a courtship last for more than a year. And um, often it's very, very fast. And only the families involved and within that kind of blitz Uh, often the couple is always supervised. And so there's not a lot of opportunity to really get to know this other person that you're committing your life to. And one of the very common things we got in our surveys is, I felt I had married a stranger of people who had gotten married uh, through courtship, although that wasn't universal. And so kind of on the other end of the spectrum are people who have very happy marriages, You know, and they kiss for the first time at the altar, and they think that this is for everyone. And my argument isn't that courtship is universally flawed. My, my argument in the book, the case that I'm making is that courtship is fundamentally flawed the way the Yugo was a fundamentally flawed car. If you were a skilled mechanic, you could repair a Yugo and keep it running and you could get 20, maybe even 30,000 miles out of it. And if you're a really skilled mechanic, you might even get it to drive for 40,000 miles. But ultimately, its flawed design would catch up with it eventually. And so when you hear people who go through courtship, often they say that they had a modified form of courtship. It's kind of like saying we had a modified Yugo. So it came broken, but we were able to fix it well enough to get us to our destination. And what I think that most young people are looking for is a uh, system that's less flawed from the outset. You know, something more like a BMW and and less like a Yugo. And, you know, if, if courtship worked for you, that's great. You know, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm not trying to disparage your experience. But for the many single people around you, you know, consider allowing them to try something that works more frequently because, you know, a system that only works for about 10% of the population isn't healthy for the society as a whole because the institution of marriage is the foundation of our society. If we allow that institution to crack, our society will descend into chaos and the government will take over more and more of the functions that used to be managed by the family until suddenly Either society will collapse and we'll face another dark age or we'll fall into tyranny. And neither of those are are nations that I want my grandchildren living in. You know, I want my grandchildren to be just as free uh, as I am. And the only way for us to preserve what we have is to keep the institution of marriage healthy. And that means perpetuating the institution of marriage, helping young people get married, and helping married people who are married stay married. So right now we have one generation that won't stay married and another generation that won't get married. And for my part, I'm trying to work on that, getting the young people married. <laughs> uh, wow,
0: Thomas, we want to thank you again for coming on our podcast. Uh, hurlers, um, you heard it here. If you are in a you relationship, or if your kids are <laughs> starting down the path of a you relationship, and you want them uh, to at least hear another side. You know, we love this book, Courtship in Crisis. Um, we love what Thomas has written. It really is an alternative that, that is better, and that's why we're helping uh, talk about this. We like it, and we want our listeners to like it as well. Thomas, how can they find your book, or how can they find out more about you?
1: Uh, courtshipincrisis.com. That'll take you to a page that's got buttons for all the different stores you can order it at and even the first chapter for free at courtshipincrisis.com.
0: That's awesome. Well, we want to thank you again for being on this episode and for uh, uh, sharing uh, just a ton of wisdom with our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: This was a great conversation.
0: You know, I love talking to him. And, you know, lately, has it just seemed like we've had great show after great show?
2: Yeah. And we have got a lot of good things coming.
0: So what's coming up next week?
2: Next week, we are talking about sexual abuse with authors, Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, who have a new book out called God Made All of You.
0: Wow. This could be a tough one, Mm -hmm. but this conversation, we've already recorded it. And what a great couple.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is not an isolated topic. It touches a lot of lives. And our goal with this next episode is to really make you feel like you're equipped to go the, down this path with your kids.
0: Yeah, so tune in next week. Um, I think the title is Let's Talk About Sexual Abuse. Yes. And uh, we're looking forward to doing that. Now, if you want to reach us in the meantime, if you want to talk more about courtship or if you want to hear more about this traditional dating versus modern dating that thomas discussed on the show you can reach us a few ways you know facebook is the never-ending conversation that's where people can kind of chat back and forth all of our listeners and that's facebook.com slash homeschooling irl we do have a twitter feed
2: we do and we love our tweeters <laughs> we are there at homeschool irl
0: And, of course, if you want to write us an email, it's info at homeschoolingirl.com. And that's our website where you can look up every episode. You can check out some of our resources. You can actually hire us to come speak at your event. And we have a few events coming up that we will be speaking across the country. But we'd love to speak to your church group. We'd love to speak to your homeschool group. We'd love to be at your conference. I'll travel anywhere for the right amount of food. And apparently for pork chops. Yeah. Hey. Apparently, you know, St. Olaf, Iowa is <laughs> is place I would travel to. So, Kenj, what's the best way people can make sure they won't miss a show?
2: If you will go to iTunes and search for Homeschooling IRL there in the search bar, you can find our podcast, subscribe to it, and every Monday morning it'll go straight to your podcatcher. You don't have to do anything. It's right there.
0: You know, if you're there, you might as well leave a review. And again, there's five stars. I always choose five stars. I think that's the <laughs> best. I mean, if there's five, you might as well hit five. Sure. And uh, that helps. Uh, that helps us very much as well. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a part of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Every show is written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information on this podcast or to contact your hosts, please visit us on our website and blog at homeschoolingirl.com.